Take your Bibles this morning and let's go over to Colossians. Colossians. Go eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. If you need a Bible, Bible should be in a pew in front of you and feel free to take one of those. Very important that uh, we follow along in the Word of God and that will help you in your understanding. And uh, so again, if you need a Bible, should be one there in the pews in front of you. Uh, before we get started into the lesson this morning, uh, I want to welcome back some folks. I see the O'Hara's in the house, and yeah, welcome home, O'Hara's. Now, somebody make sure to lock the door so they can't go anywhere. Uh, it's good having them in. We had a good time with them last night, good meal, and uh, good fellowship, and uh, good to have them. They're passing through uh, to Virginia for Thanksgiving, so pray for their safety as they're on the road. It's always good to have y'all back in with us. And also want to welcome back the Farleys in the back of the room. Thank you, Farleys, for being here. Pray for Mike, guys. He's got some surgery, some issues coming up health-wise, and we just want to intercede on his behalf. But it's good seeing y'all this morning and uh, just continuing to pray for y'all. Uh, some other prayer concerns that we do need to share. Um, as you know, this week, um, Mary Williams' grandson um, uh, left this world. And uh, Mary is, as you can imagine, just in a real bad way. And uh, she needs our prayers. And so church family, we need to intercede for her. And uh, if you get a chance to reach out and bring some encouragement to her, please do that. Pray for Pastor Dean as well. As he'll be bringing the word of God at the funeral uh, tomorrow night at the funeral home. Uh, he'll have a part in the service. And uh, so just pray for that as well. Just a real bad situation. And um, he was 24 years of age and uh, definitely is deeply uh, affecting Miss Mary. So keep, keep her in your thoughts and prayers. This week, I know a lot of folks, uh, self-included, Lord willing, will be traveling. Uh, many of you will be traveling to family and friends, gathering for Thanksgiving um, meal and uh, uh, time together. Uh, be safe on the road. Pray for one another. Pray for us. Lord willing, uh, we'll return uh, next week. We've got a lot of places to go. It seems like we spend most of the time on Thanksgiving on the road, uh, but uh, between my family and Allison's, uh, we'll make the rounds and um, just uh, pray for us as well. As we're away, we'll be praying for you. But it's Thanksgiving week, and so as I thought about, you know, where do we go? Uh, we're sort of in that in-between zone uh, since we finished up our summer series on nine marks of a healthy church. Uh, which, you know, you guys do realize when we were in nine marks of a healthy church, all of our marks decided they were, their families were going to get pregnant. And so, so look out if your name's John when we begin to go through the book of John. <laughs> but uh, uh, anyway, we finished up that series and we are uh, sort of in that in-between zone. And so I've decided I'm going to hold off until we get into the new year before we launch back into a book study. And so we're going to hit a few things that uh, just... In, in regards to Thanksgiving, Christmas, as we move forward into December, and uh, trust the Lord will lead in that study. So uh, pray for that as well uh, in, in ministering to where you're at, um, and uh, trust God will, will meet our needs in this. But today I want to talk to us about gratitude. And so a good week, Thanksgiving, lots to be thankful for. The song the, the uh, praise team just finished up with, Give Thanks with a Grateful Heart. Today's message is entitled, Gratitude and Attitude. 
Now tonight we've got finger foods and gratitude. And I want you to come back because we're going to have some finger foods and uh, hopefully a lot of gratitude being shared around the room as well. Guys, very important, please. We're, we're being hosts. We're being guests to freedom, the church coming out of Goldsboro. So imagine somebody in your family invites somebody over to your house and you decide to leave. You're not there. Yeah. So please come tonight. We've invited some people to our house and it would be great if you could be here and encourage them as they come and we spend time together. But this morning, I don't want to talk about finger foods and gratitude, but I do want to talk about gratitude and attitude. The reading of God's Word comes this morning from Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ is sitting, at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Father, I pray for the reading of your word, and I pray that you will do as you promised you would do, not allow that word to return void. Lord, I pray for the listener this morning, that you will give us ears to hear what the Spirit says to the church. I pray that we will uh, receive your word and that we will heed your word. And so, Lord, meet with us in a very real way this morning. Satisfy the needs of the heart, the longings, the depths of the soul, as only you can do. And we'll give you the praise because we ask it in the name above every name. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Gratitude is defined as the state of being grateful. Now, I'm going to go ahead and warn you. If you're taking notes, no help this morning. Pastor's had a full week. So just scribble along. Gratitude is the state of being grateful. Thankfulness. Thankfulness. What are you thankful for this morning? Ponder in your heart for a moment what you are thankful for. Attitude is a mental position with regard to a fact or state. Let me say that again. Attitude is a mental position with regard to a fact or state. So when you combine gratitude and attitude, we have a lot to be grateful for, a lot to be thankful for because of a fact, and that fact is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior. Guys, we have much to be grateful for. We have much in the way of adjusted attitude that should help us as we go throughout not just this week of thanksgiving, but throughout our life as followers of Christ. You know, speaking of attitudes, there were some attitudes at an execution. And the story is told of these four knights. Four of King Arthur's knights were guilty of betraying him. They were sentenced to die on the guillotine. Somehow, though, as the blade was ready to drop, it jammed. King Arthur took this as a sign that he should show mercy and give the knights their freedom. 
The reaction of the four knights to this good news tells us a lot about their personalities. The knight, high in dominance, growled, I told you I was innocent. This execution should never have been planned in the first place. The knight, who was primarily a people person, shouted, We're free! We're free! Let's go party! The steady knight was consoling the executioner. I want you to know, he said, that I don't blame you. You were just doing your job. Meanwhile, the detail-oriented knight had been staring thoughtfully at the jammed blade on the guillotine. Hmm, he said aloud. I think I see how this thing can be fixed. Probably didn't end real well for that one. Guys, what's your attitude? How are you seeing the circumstances of your life? How are you viewing things? What is your worldview telling you about the problems you're dealing with? What is your focus? Where's your heart? Where's your head? Where's your vision? You know, Scripture makes it clear, staying with the example of these at the execution, that as followers of Christ, we're actually called to execute ourselves. We're to die to self daily. That's a biblical um, mandate for a follower of Christ. We're to die to self daily. Some executions should not be stopped. Paul says, execute your old nature. Unless it dies, you will never really learn how to live. Think about that. We live in a day, we live in a society where our thoughts oftentimes is how can we make our circumstances better? How can we live in comfort? How can we right this wrong? How can we... And so we oftentimes, again with good intentions, navigate this world with earthly minds. And yet as believers in Christ, as followers of Christ, that's not what the Word of God tells us that we are to do when we make our way through this world as pilgrims. And so what does this look like? Colossians gives us, I think, a, a, a good understanding. Again, preceding Colossians 3, you've got to understand, uh, Paul was writing, and he's beginning his writing in those first two chapters, and he's talking about just the prominence of Christ. He's talking about the sufficiency of Christ. He's talking about how great Christ is, how superior Christ is. And so you get this theology, this doctrine in this first part of the letter. And so as you go back, and I trust you'll go back and read through Colossians, great book to read, uh, and, and as you go through it, you, you begin to understand the importance of the doctrine, and then you move into 3 and 4, and you start getting some practical application. Okay, now that you understand this, therefore, since you know this, since you understand these truths, let me tell you how that plays out. Let me tell you how that lives out. You know, we live in a, in a society, in a world that's marred by sin. And our lives are greatly affected by sin. 
And even us, as we run the race, we are encouraged, even as believers, to set aside the sins that so easily beset you, the sins that trip you, the things that you just stumble over in your life. And the reality is the only way to break a cycle of sin is because of our union with Christ and by the union we have with Christ. And that's what is talked about here in this passage of Scripture. You know, when we look at 3, 1 through 4, I think Paul's, in essence, he's saying, hey, change your focus. Change your focus, Christian. What is is your focus on right now? Where's your focus at? Where's your heart at right now? And we need this gut check sometimes. We need this heart check, right? Because we go through life and and too often times our focus is in the wrong place. And it's understandable why. We're in the rat race. The rat race is to keep you spinning in the wheel like the little hamster that we are. But God says no. No. There's a way to live. We need to change our focus. You know, the choice is ours. It's told in a, in a um, Daily Bread. Many of you take the Daily Bread. On January 28, 2006, this article was recorded in the Daily Bread. It said, one summer afternoon, I climbed a hill near my home. When I reached the top, I, I stretched out on the grass to relax. Turning my head to one side, my eyes focused on some blades of grass within inches of my face. This short-range focus not only strained my eyes, but it blurred my view of anything beyond the end of my nose. So I began to adjust my focus. And then the distant city came into view instead. I found I could shift my sights from near to far at will. The choice was mine. In today's Bible reading, the Apostle Paul emphasized that followers of Christ need to keep eternity in view. He wrote, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. We can choose where to put our focus. We can succumb to selfish, earthbound thoughts, blurring our view of anything beyond the end of our nose. Or we can gaze through this sinful scene and fix our attention on things above. Even where Christ is seated at God's right hand. And we with Him. Then and only then are we in a position to see what's most important in life. Only the mind set on things above can say no to sin. And yes, to holiness. Choice is ours. Joanne Yoder. Verse 1, if you notice here, it says, If then you were raised with Christ. Let me stop for a second. That word if is better translated since. Since then. Since you've been raised with Christ. Now that implies something. That, That assumes something. If you've been raised with Christ, it assumes that you died with Christ. And in fact, if we go back to the previous um. Chapter, this thought is seen in Colossians 2.12. Notice if you would. 2.12 says, Buried with Him in baptism, in which you also were raised with Him through faith in the working of God who raised Him from the dead. 
In fact, if we go back a little further and we get the context of this, in verse 11 he says, In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism in which you were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come but the substance is of Christ. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into the things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by the fleshly mind, and not holding fast, uh, and, and not holding fast to the head from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grow with the increase that is from God. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basics of the world, why as though living in the world do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using, according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religion, false humility and neglect of the body, but are of no vague, no, uh, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. Since then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. What's Paul doing? Paul is doing this, guys. He's saying, look, already there's some false teaching that sprung up in the church. There's this false asceticism. Asceticism is this, you know, again, if I just do these, you know, A, B, and C, these religious rituals, and, and I deny myself, you know. You, you, maybe you've seen these guys that around Easter time in, in some part of the world where they, they literally like whip themselves across the back, you know, and, and some people will separate themselves into, into caves and, and not talk, and, you know, and they, they think of these self-imposed religious things will somehow make them more acceptable in God's eyes. Paul's saying, no, none of that. And again, think about the Jewish audience. We've learned this through the book of Hebrews. Again, the whole point of Galatians and Hebrews is, guys, it's not by doing, it's by done. And so he uses the illustration in, in two, which we just read about circumcision and baptism. And he's basically saying this, if I could surmise it, he's saying, look, in the Old Testament, under the Jewish laws, circumcision was an outward display of the flesh. It was something that was done in the flesh to display what was of the heart. That you are a people separated unto God. And so those that were separated in the heart unto God were to be circumcised. New Testament church, those of us who have been circumcised of heart, we have received Christ as our Lord and Savior. We display outwardly through the work of baptism. We, we follow the Lord and believers' baptism circumcision or baptism, neither of those things save. But your faith in God alone is what saves you. Your faith in Christ's death, burial, resurrection is your saving grace. It's a gift of God. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so when he's saying this in this letter, 
the point he's making is clear. There's a false asceticism and there's a true asceticism. Yes, we should display outwardly something different. But it's not the external circumcision or baptism. It's not by don't eat, don't drink, don't do this, don't do that. It's by what's been done on your behalf. And since you have died with Christ, and baptism, by the way, is a representation. When we baptize you here, we say, right, that you are dead with Christ, buried, risen with Him to walk in newness of life. The baptism act doesn't save you. No more than this ring makes me married. I'm married with or without the ring. The ring is an external that shows you I am married. So I don't have to go around without this. I'm married, I'm married, I'm married, I'm married, I'm married. You can see, ah, he's married. Right? Baptism is that testimony, outwardly speaking. So guess what, Christian? Because we've been circumcised of the heart, because we have died with Christ, therefore... Since then, you've been buried with Christ. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Seek those things that are above. You see, positionally, that's where we are. Positionally, if you have received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're sealed until the day of redemption. When God the Father looks at us in that great day, He doesn't look at us. He looks at Christ on our behalf because Christ is a federal headship. He represents us. Now, guys, whether you like it or not, President Trump represents you as an American. And the decisions that President Trump makes affect you. If he chooses to go to war today, it will affect your lives. There will be results and consequences that affect you. Guys, we are either of the old Adam or we're either of the new Adam. One of those is your federal head. He represents you, and he will represent you in the day of judgment. You say, well, if I'd have been in the Garden of Eden, I wouldn't have done what they did. Yes, you would have, because the same depravity that was in the headship, Adam, because of death, because of the choice, because of the decision that was made, that has affected every man and woman that's been born in the world ever since. With the exception of one. The man, Christ Jesus. And he's the new Adam. And so, who's your headship? Will you stand before holy God one day in your Adamic nature, your old nature? Self-righteous, going to do things in your own power, get to heaven by your own good works? You will fall short of the glory of God. The only way you and I will be able to stand in the presence of God, in the glory of God, is by the glory of God, and that's a gift through Christ Jesus. So who's your headship? Paul is trying to let us know this here in this passage of Scripture. And so, he's saying, since then you were raised with Christ, seek. Those things which are above. You know, if you want to change your focus this morning, I basically got two things I'm going to say in regards to 
you're, if you're taking notes, you want to outline two things in regards. Actually, it'll be three in total, but two things in this portion as far as two ways to change your focus. You know how to change your focus? It's right here in the text. Seek and set. Seek and set. Seek, it's the Greek word, zeteo. It means to seek in order to find, to seek a thing. It also uh, is uh, to seek in order to find out. There's an emphasis in this word, this Greek word zeteo, in the original language that implies an intellectual, a reasoning, a use of the... That's why some of your translations say... Uh, that you should seek the things which are above, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind, verse 2, set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. God said that you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength in the Old Testament. When Christ came on the scene, He said the same thing, but He added. He said, seek the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Guys, we live in a day where most Christianity is summed up by emotional feeling. We, we, Christianity in North America today is, is, and not just North America, it's spreading across the globe. There is more of a, it's all about how I feel. But God says this deeper than that. It's beyond that. And guys, He's given us a mind to use. He's given us a mind to think. Christians need to be the best thinkers on the planet because we operate, we have a focus of a biblical worldview that gives us truth and we operate from truth to a world that's blind and doesn't see. And so we need to engage our minds. You need to think about why you believe what you believe and why it's true and and why the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is important. And we need to think through the doctrinal issues so that it affects how we live. And so the idea in this word mind is that, that we engage intellectually, we engage with reasoning. This idea of seeking would be that we pursue that. A meditation, a reasoning to seek after, to seek for, to aim at, to strive after. You know, Christ told us this in Matthew 6.33. He said, but seek... First, the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Now what was going on in Matthew 6? Jesus is sending out His disciples two by two. And they're saying, well, you know, should I pack up my, my good shoes? You know, I got me some good some new, new Nikes out of Hibbit. You know, got, got some good new walking shoes. Maybe I ought to pack those up. He said, no, just take one pair. What maybe I'll give me another, you know, uh, pack pack a lunch or something, you know, maybe a couple of fish sandwiches for the road, you know. Since I've been working out at Gold's Gym, I probably better, you know, keep my energy up, right? <laughs> Y'all give me a list, I hit you, but anyway. <laughs> so Jesus says, no. Seek first the kingdom of God. These other things. Your clothes, your house, what you're going to eat. I'll provide what you need. See, American Christian, our problem is we, we have a problem between need and want. We want a lot. We need nothing. And as believers, that is a true statement. We need nothing. 
Everything we have is sufficiently met in Christ Jesus. In fact, he says beyond that, we are rich in Christ. Now, you want to change your focus? You let your mind and your heart meditate on that truth. In fact, he, he says in, 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 in that Matthew 6 preceding that, he had told us um, a little earlier that uh, we're to set our, 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 our mind on those things above. He said that, that we should not store up treasures here on earth. But where should we store up those treasures? In heaven. Where moth, rust, does not destroy. Thieves don't break in and take it. It's secure. I'm sure Jimmy Carr could take you and let you see a lot of rust that's done some good damage on some of the business out there where, where he's been, right? God says, what happens to earthly goods? It rusts. It decays. And yet we clamor for it, don't we? Oh, got to get some more plastic stuff for the kids this Christmas. Got to get some more stuff. Got to pile up my stuff. Stuffitis. I got my stuff. Got to get my stuff fixed. And I'm not against stuff, as Dave Ramsey would say. I'm not against stuff either. You know? Get you some stuff. But don't let the stuff get you. And it's proven we have a problem with stuff getting us. And so as Jesus was sending out his disciples, he was saying, look, don't worry about this stuff. The Gentiles worry about this. They spend their whole day worrying about, <laughs> am I going to be able to pay this bill? Am I going to be able to make this? Am I going to be able to, you know? Oh, we got... And yet he's saying, look, if you'll just focus on me, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Put your mind on things above. Store up your treasures in heaven. These things will work their way out. And so again, he's telling us here in Colossians this same truth. I and mean, this is a biblical truth. As followers of Christ, we are to seek. It was Matthew 6, 21 where he said, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What's most important to you today? I want to ask that to young and old. Because, look, I understand, as a kid, I know where my heart was, and it wasn't on things above. And so, kids, I want you to think the same thing. What's important to you? What do you wake up in the morning, and the first thing you want to do is? When you go throughout the day, what's, what's important to you? And not just the children, us as adults. Where's my heart? Where's my focus? What's my desire Delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. You know, because when my heart and my mind is set on things above, my desires change, don't they? So when my heart is delighting in the truth of God and who God is and who I am positionally in Him, when I understand the riches that are in Christ Jesus, when I understand that this is not my world and I'm just passing through, when I recognize that He's got us on a mission and we're in the Lord's army, yes, sir, as we talked about last week, when I understand these truths, it has a way of transforming my heart which transforms my life in the way I live. 
And so regardless of my circumstances, regardless of the happenings in my life, because again, happiness is based on happenings, and if you're pursuing happiness, you're pursuing the wrong thing because it's determined based upon what's happening. And happenings is always changing. But the joy of the Lord is something that abides deep. So even when the world's falling apart and even when the wheels are coming off and even when everything in our life is crumbling, I can still say, it is well with my soul. Because we're anchored to a truth. And His name is Christ, Jesus, our Lord. So that's why Paul is saying, if you, since then, you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Again, indicating it's done, it's finished. And we can rest in that. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. By the way, Ray Stedman made this statement. He said, quote, Decide to do what you know from your knowledge of the word of the Lord He wants you to do. Let me say that again. Decide to do what you know from your knowledge of the word of the Lord He wants you to do. That is the secret of a life that has discovered how to really live. So guys, if you know what the Word of God is telling you to do, and today He's saying, set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. So if you know what the Word of God is telling you to do, and you do that, that is the secret of a life that has discovered how to really live. Your life, your daily activity, your thoughts are now tied to Christ. You do wrong if you separate yourself from Him. You belong to Him. The old godless self-directed life is over if you've become a Christian. And that's why He tells us to die to self. The old self, guys, and the, and the desire to please self, that is the nature that was of the first Adam. And that is to be crucified. And if I've been crucified with Christ by faith, He's my new headship. And Paul says, therefore, since I've been crucified with Christ, it's no longer Christ who... It's, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And so the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who, who came and gave His life for me. Galatians 2.20 so the first thing is that we're to seek. The second thing is we're to set. If you want to change your focus, you're going to have to seek different. You're going to have to change your focus. And you're going to have to set your mind. Also translated, in this case, as affection. Now this does buy into a little bit of the emotional side of things, if you will. It's the Greek word for neo. It's a present active imperative. Present active imperative. So presently speaking, Christian, you need to set your mind in action on things above, not on the things of this earth. To have understanding, to be wise is what it means. It's to feel, to think, to be of the same mind, agreed together, cherish the same views, be harmonious is the idea. Philippians 2.5 says, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. So how are we to navigate this world? Well, there's the simple instructions. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. How are you going to know the mind of Christ? Word of God. 
And if we don't know the Word of God, we're not going to know how to navigate this life. If we don't meditate on the Word of God, we're never going to delight in the law of God. We're never going to delight in the Word of God because we don't know the Word of God. I can't enjoy my bowl of cereal if I never eat it. Right? You got to eat it. Just eat it. Eat it. Woo! That was for you, Luke. He's a Weird Al fan. All right. <laughs> Philippians 3, 7 through 21. Let's go there. Philippians 3, 7 through 21. And uh, that clock ain't helping me out today, bro. Is that thing counting up again? I think it is. Um, yeah, if you give me a five-minute signal when it's five minutes to 12. No, just do a cart, cartwheel. Where's Quinn when I need him? He did a good cartwheel the other day cheering for us at the volleyball game. You give me a five-minute flash there in a second, please. All right, look at Philippians 3, 7 through 21. By the way, if you're a visitor, that five minutes to 12 means nothing. <laughs> it's just I want to know when it's getting near noon. But anyway, all right. Um, notice verse Philippians 3, 7 through 21. But what things were gained to me? These I've counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ my Lord. Again, you see the pattern of thinking and the mind on the things of Christ? He says, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from God by faith, that I may know Him in the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if anything, you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Brethren, join in following my example. And, and note those who so walk, as you have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to His glorious body, according to the working by which He is able even to subdue all things to Himself. Do you hear what Paul's saying? It's the same thing he's saying over in Colossians. He said, guys, don't set your mind on the things of this earth. This earth is not our home. Know where we are positionally. In Christ Jesus. By faith, we are united. We are tied to Christ. 
He is our representation. He is our headship. He's the one that gives us the marching orders. We're a part of His kingdom. We're a part of His nation. We are royal and holy ambassadors of Christ. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. And so he says, don't put your mind here. That's what those who are perishing are doing. They delight. They're, they're, they're satisfying their appetites. And Christians, we battle with this. These are the sins that beset us, Americans. It is. We, we suffer from these sins that trip us up. And so we are instructed and encouraged that we are to follow Christ's example. who was willing to empty himself of all of glory to take on the form of a man, to become a servant to the very ones who had rejected and spit upon him and crucified him. The God of all creation. The omnipotent, omnipresent. He was willing to come and pay our penalty. And that's our example. And so we're to set our mind on things above. Help me to watch and pray and on thyself rely and let me ne'er my trust betray but press to realms on high. Wesley. John Wesley wrote that. Help me to watch and pray and on thyself rely. And let me ne'er my trust betray, but press to realms on high. Set your mind above, not on things below. An article in a San Francisco newspaper reported that a young man who once found a $5 bill on the street resolved that from that time on, he would never lift his eyes while walking. The paper went on to say that over the years, he accumulated, among things, among other things, 29,516 29, buttons, 54,172 pins, 12 cents, a bent back, and a miserly disposition. A miserly disposition. But he also lost something. The glory of sunlight. The radiance of the stars. The smiles of friends and the freshness of blue skies. I'm afraid that some Christians are like that man. While they may not walk around staring at the sidewalk, they are so engrossed with the things of this life that they give little attention to spiritual and eternal values. Perhaps they've gotten a taste of some fleeting pleasure offered by the world and they've been spending all their time pursuing it. But that's dangerous. When God's children who are seated with Christ in the heavenlies, 
give their affection and attention to a world that is passing away, they lose the upward look. Their perspective becomes distorted and they fail to bask in heaven's sunlight. Taken up with the baubles of this world, they become defeated, delinquent Christians. Buttons, pins, pennies. The no treasures laid up in heaven. The Apostle Paul said, If then, since then, you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. To live for the things of this world is to miss life's best. Let's set our sights on the heights. P.R. Van Gorder. If we appropriate our life by choosing to live out our identity in Christ, it will result in our security. So we want to seek, we want to set, but let me tell you about our security. Because the Scriptures tell us here in verse 3 and 4, notice if you would, back in Colossians 3, 3 and 4, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ. In God. When Christ, who is our life, by the way, you, ever, you know, you ever hear somebody say, man, you know that, and his life is sports. You've heard that kind of saying, right? Oh, his life, is, you know, that kid's life is Lego, and you know, that kid's life is video games, or you know, that person, man, that, their, their work is their life. You've heard those kind of phrases thrown around before, right? Guys, our life is to be Christ. He says, for you died. You died. Believer, your old man's dead. Let's leave him there. The desires and nature of that guy is dead. If you, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Our security is your life is hidden. The word crypto, it means to, to hide, to keep secret, to hidden, to cover. Christ, who is our life. In another place, Paul wrote, For me to live is Christ, Philippians 1.21. For me to live is Christ. Here he shows that this idea was not just for special apostles, but for all believers. Christ, who is our life. Of the Christian, it should be said, Jesus Christ is his life. So, conclusion. The only way to see life clearly is to shift from the temporal short view to what's beyond. And there's a city on a hill that's not hidden. There is a glorious city that's coming. A new Jerusalem. Christian, we're told in Scripture to set our mind on things above, not on things of this earth. We're to seek, we're to set, and we'll find our security. 
Seek things above. Set your mind on things above, not on things below. Security will be the result of a life hidden in Christ until He returns. Look. Look around and be distressed. Look inside and be depressed. Look at Jesus and be at rest. Corey Timboon. Let your attitude be settled in Christ since you're risen with Him. Let your attitude be settled in Christ since you are risen with Him. May that produce a heart of gratitude for whose you are and that your life is secure. Your life is secure in Him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Gratitude and attitude. There's a lot, Lord, to be thankful for. And Lord, our attitude perspective should be such that we recognize this truth. It is fact. If Christ be not risen, our faith is in vain. But Lord, we know the truth is it is finished. It is done. And you've made a promise that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so, Lord, by faith, I trust that the listeners this morning have come to you, not by their own good deeds, not by their own merits, not by their own asceticism, not by their own doing, but simply trusting in what's been done. Thank you for the cross of Calvary. Thank you for... Jesus Christ is coming and atoning for our sin. Because the wages of sin is death, and if we got what we deserve, we deserve death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you, Lord, for that gift of salvation. And Lord, salvation is not just security from hell. Salvation is sanctification. It's a progression that should be taking place in our hearts and lives even now. And so have your will and way within us, even now in our life as believers. You've made a promise. You said, he who has begun a good work in us will complete it until the day of redemption. Our life is hidden in Christ, and we wait your glorious return. But in the meantime, Lord, help us to realize our position in Christ. Help us to shift our focus from the things below the earthly things that consume us and help us to seek first the kingdom of God, His righteousness. Help us to set our mind on things above and find great rest in knowing that we're secure in You. Lord, bring us back tonight as we have time for testimony and just a good time of fellowship and food. And uh, just pray that your spirit will move in our hearts as we uh, glorify you, lift your name. And Lord, throughout this week, Thanksgiving, uh, I pray that we won't lose sight of our purpose, our mission. And may we truly reflect upon your goodness and grace to make much of you. And we'll give you the praise. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.